you have to learn the fact that, you know, it's better to fail and be wrong for the right reason than to be right for the wrong one. This is your Badass Journey podcast. I am Kareen Walsh, serial entrepreneur, growth strategist, executive leadership coach, and best-selling author. Each week, I will bring you a guest or a thought that will help you align what you love with what you do in order to build that badass life and business you dream of. Welcome, everybody, to your Badass Journey podcast. Today's guest is Steve Stearns. Now, this is a unique guest for today's show because Steve and I used to work together almost 20 years ago, which is pretty crazy. And I had to have him on the show because he's been heading up the security, the cybersecurity for eBay for the past few years. And when Steve and I met, it was really like at the start of our career, I would say, where, you know, we were in San Francisco and working for a financial software company and had an amazing experience learning how to lead at a very young age. And then when I asked him to be on the show, it was because I have observed his leadership career uh, over the past 20 years as he's grown into leading tech for and the teams. I mean, the you know, leadership is all about the team management with a high level of technical understanding when it comes to cybersecurity. And when you think about all the transactions that happen across eBay, right? eBay has been around probably from the start. I think it was one of the first e-commerce platforms um, that allowed you to sell your own items. And thinking about that amount of time to make sure each transaction is secure while staying aligned with all the different regulations across the globe, because eBay is an international company. Steve has his own unique stance on how he chooses to lead, as well as you know take care of what he requires in his life to thrive. And so I wanted to share a bit of our, our time together with you. Um, as always, it's such a joy to share their, you know, my guest journey with you. And so if you have any impact from this conversation, please let us know. Steve is an amazing man, and he's also so supportive for those who are looking to grow in their careers and lead with value, which you know I'm all about. So I hope you enjoy today's conversation, and I'll see you on the other side. Welcome, everybody, to your Badass Journey podcast. Today on the episode, I have Steve Stearns. Welcome, Steve. Hi, Kareem. It's so great to have you on on today because uh, we're talking about a topic that is near and dear to what I love to do, which is you know help leaders grow and help them really stand in their authentic stance to lead teams, lead organizations, and really define who they are um, as they align what they love with what they do. And before we jump into our dialogue, I would love for you to first share your badass journey to date with our listeners so they understand who you are and what you're about today. Sure, I'd I'd be happy to. So 
I'm currently the director of information security and incident response for eBay. So that means I'm looking for bad guys and hackers across all of eBay Inc. and trying to prevent them from accessing our network, which is a you know pretty big job and something that takes a lot of people coordinated around the world to do and something I'm really proud that I was able to achieve as sort of the culmination of my career. I would love, though, for folks to understand how you got to this position and, you know, what was that journey like through technology as a leader, you know, stepping into the role you have today? Maybe even share some of the defining moments that that excited you to step into leadership. Sure, right? I, I think I have to start with the fact that I was a kid who had a lot of expectations put on him. I grew up in a three-generation household. Uh, My parents wanted me to be a doctor or a lawyer or an Indian chief. And my grandparents lived in the house too. It It was unusual. It was the 70s. And it was a time when most parents were getting divorced, but mine were there with their parents. And, um, at the time, you know, I was under a lot of expectation from them. And that expectation included, hey, you're going to become a CEO. You're going to become something special because we've worked really hard our whole lives for you to get there. But I wasn't that kind of kid, right? Um, I went to school and said, well, I could do this. I could do that. Uh, but the one thing I didn't want to talk to anyone about was the fact that I was gay. Uh, it was, you know, not necessarily, it was the height of the AIDS stuff. And it sort of was something that I looked at my parents and said, how am I going to make your expectations and how is this going to be right? And I wanted their approval. So, you know, um, I went to Berkeley. I graduated, um, Phi Beta Kappa with a degree in English, if you could imagine, right? So I read all of English literature (laughs) and also a degree in economics. And I got out of school and realized that, you know, I basically didn't know what I wanted to do for my future. It's um, common. It's so common. Yeah. Didn't, didn't know. Got a call from my parents saying, hey, so we're not going to pay for anything for your life, right? <laughs> oh, my God. And I'm like, oh, my God, I failed. I'm really smart, but I failed. Mm. And that's where I started my career journey, which is where I think a lot of people start. And, you know, what really happened was I fell into something. And what I fell into was a job. At the time, there was a savings and loan crisis. <laughs> People don't remember most of this. But there were banks that were failing, just like they failed in 2008. And um, there were things called HP calculators, where you had to do something called reverse Polish, <laughs> which no one would know today. And I actually sat in the library as my first job, basically writing loans and determining what their current fair market value was uh, by hand. Yeah. (laughs) And and thinking, is this really what I want to do with my life? Right. Um, and, And it led, interestingly, to the fact that the first XT PC came out around the same time. And... That started my whole journey into technology. I didn't know that, but you know, I was the person who didn't want to wear the suit and was happy pulling cables to desks. And before I knew it, I was an assistant administrator 
for a financial services company and um, was trying to figure out how do I broker the difference between the expectation and where I was. Yeah, and the, and the service, right? And then, and then, as you started to climb in tech, you know, and, and tripped up into it, because it's it's a, almost a little similar to my story in that. Left when I graduated college, I was also kind of fend for myself, and I did the bold move, and I, I I graduated from DC, and I moved to San Francisco, and and started my career, and I really wasn't sure what I would I would jump into. I had a business degree, so I knew I really could I could get a job. And there's that like initial navigation, you know, you kind of go through to see what is a fit. So if you were to talk to your, you know, 20 year old version of yourself, (laughs) right. And say, and give, give that version of you some guidance, because I know some of my listeners are in that age group right now. And even now with all the opportunity that's out there where it's just, you're inundated with different modalities of what you could dive into. There's still that search of like, finding the alignment of what you truly love, what would you tell someone in their 20s right now if they were going after career moves or, or trying to search how to go about searching for, for what they should go after? So there are two things at least I think that I wish I could have told myself. One, it was okay to be different, Yeah. right? It, it really was okay to think differently than others and not every path is the same. So don't look at other people's paths to determine if you're on the right one. Um, That was very hard for me, right? Because I wanted to be just like everyone else, because I was worried that people were always looking at me and knowing that somehow I felt I was different. Um, If you are different, be different. Yeah. Right? That makes sense. People, leaders need to have multiple voices. People need to be able to disagree and question uh, why things are the way they are. And, and that's okay. You can do that and you can do it uh, help in a healthy way yeah. for both yourself and for the organization you want to be in. So that's one. And then I think, two, I would say don't be afraid to try new things. Yeah. Uh, I see a lot of people that are very scared because they want to be perfect. Right. Um, And and the one thing I know is, you know what? (laughs) There is no such thing as perfect. No. Uh, uh, I have met in my life people that I thought, oh my God, I wish I had the presence those people had. I wish they could answer those questions. I wish I wasn't scared in front of an executive when I'm trying to say something important. You know what? I, I found that those people had uh, looked great, but often flamed out, right? They, they yeah. would, um, it, it, you know, their home lives were horrible, right? right. They had nothing, they didn't have anything else in their lives. I didn't realize that because I was pressurizing myself from my own upbringing. Right. Um, but I, I know now that, you know, there is no such thing. Everyone has a different version of perfect. It's so true. And I think, you know, like you said, you bring up, you know, comparison and how that's the thief of joy. Perfection is, it's not about perfection, it's progress. You know, like if you truly want to have a life, focus on progress, not perfection. And you'll, you'll step into something greater because you have a lesson learned you take with, with you. I also love that, that theory of like, literally was just working on a, 
I can't decide if I'm going to do this as like a LinkedIn article or a blog post or what, but it was, or, you know, something that was on my mind about test, fail, and pivot, because we learn that a lot in technology, but I love to apply it to our lives. Because if you're testing, if you just see, I'm just going out there to learn, test, and and if it fails, fine, I'll pivot, test again. You know, like that's the part of um, that we learn having exposure to tech and and being in a delivery mode and and being able to enhance and increase and and put it forward. It's the same about how we actually choose to manage our lives. You know, if we can have that outlook and almost work on the mindset to stay in that mode. So when you're when you talk about the expectations and the box that was created for you that you didn't really feel comfortable, you know, stepping into and then you had to find your own way. When was it pivotal for you or could you could you share some pivotal moments that made you start to feel more aligned with who you really are and how that was represented in either the work you were doing, the relationships you had or the community you joined like when did that start occurring for you where you felt more comfortable in your own skin? Um, you know, it didn't happen. It, it was somewhere in my mid-late 20s. In somewhere, I had struggled with my sexuality for since the basically I, my adolescence. Mm-hmm. I had told my parents that I was who I was when I was 17, which in... In 1980, I'm not going to tell you what age I am <laughs> during, yeah. those, during those times. Was, was, yeah, was, was, was a difficult conversation. And their response was, you mean no grandchildren for you, my parents? And no... Um, oh, what they would means, be missing out, yeah. Yeah. And, and this means that your whole future is not anything like what we thought you could be. And your whole future is now ruined. They wouldn't say out loud it was ruined, but their their attitude was, oh my God, you're going to be a lonely old man when you get older. And and that's a terrible thing to be. And we feel like we're responsible for it, mm-hmm. right? And, and it wasn't until I got to my mid-late 20s that I said, you know what? I can't meet your expectations and have my life and it got to the point where I was almost in a crisis and it was a bad crisis. And, and, I, and I said, look, um, I'm not going to talk to you. The bravest effort I ever took was I said, I'm not going to talk to you until I want to talk to you now. Yeah. And they were, they were what? What were your parents? Mm-hmm. Right? The obligation, uh, right? The obligation and me being brave enough to say, you know what, I've got to make my life whole and be who I want to be. And to do that, I don't want, I need to have your voices stop in my head. Uh, That was critical. Um, And that was, it was the turning point. It also made me realize that anyone else's opinion, while it was a piece of advice, if it didn't fit what I needed to, for me to feel good about myself and who I was and what I wanted to do, it didn't really matter. It was a piece of advice. Right. Right. Yeah. And advice, you can take or, or, or leave advice. Um, yeah. Opinion. It's, yeah. It's opinion. It's opinion. Um, mm-hmm. And I think that that was a, the big learning I made. It also taught me that no one had control over me as a human being. 
even if they wanted to judge me, right? right. Um, it didn't matter on any part of the food chain. It's how I feel about hierarchy even to today. Hierarchy is there because we need it to be successful in organization. You can't, people have to be accountable. Um, you need to have, to, everyone has a boss. But that doesn't mean necessarily that everything a boss says is right hmm. or shouldn't be, uh, can, you know, brought up for conversation and curiosity. And I like to call it curiosity. Not Some people call it questioning. I call it curiosity, right? Why do you think the way you think? You obviously have a background and you have a, a reason for your, for your thought pattern. I think it's important for human beings to know what brings them to a conversation and what informs their decision making. Yeah, and I think that's great because curiosity as, as a word, it, it creates more of an opening than questioning. Questioning, almost you feel like you have to have an answer. You know, yeah. so, so I love that you choose the word curiosity because then it creates an opening for a dialogue and collaboration and options versus question. You know, like I'm questioning you or, or it can put someone easily on defensive. And I think understanding semantics and how people respond to it is, is super clear. And I, I really appreciate you sharing the powerful moment of how you had to stand up to self-protect in order to love yourself first so that you could really stand in who you are and grow from there in order to then have the impact in the life that, that you wanted to have. I mean, it, that's a lesson everybody needs to, to embody with, in regards to whatever they're going through. Because, I mean, I even share that in, in my story too, where if, if I stayed in the limitations that other people put on me versus listening to the voice inside myself, knowing that I, I matter, my voice matters, my thoughts matter, right? Like it makes a difference. And it actually makes us stronger, empathetic leaders when we do the work ourselves. You know, when we we go from the the darkness of uh, feeling unaccepted to accepting ourselves, and then showing other people how to do the same. So I really appreciate you sharing that story because it makes it makes a difference for others to hear that they're not alone and that they are empowered to make those choices for themselves. So as you yeah. stand in your leadership role now, and you have a large team, a global team, <laughs> you create a global impact in the work you do. What are the, yeah, I guess, the, the moments or the methods that you use today in order to create that environment of inclusion and collaboration as a leader? So, uh, you know, first and foremost, I'm a leader who believes in being engaged in the work and helping people be successful, right? So I think to do that, what I've tried to do is establish a culture where everyone has an open door. So that's one. The, the second is I tell people to take off their judgment hats. That's hard for most people because most people want to know that what they're doing is right. And I and engineers especially because this is an engineering organization they are um they like or want to be black and white thinkers the the problem here is that to be able to actually listen you have to take your judgment hat off what i've done really is understood that every person wants to communicate a different way on the team so 
some, I'm a talker, <laughs> which is why we're doing this, right? Um, moderately extroverted, uh, love feeling and intuition. My engineers, they're thinkers. They're, um, they want data. They don't want to be called out in public. So I give them opportunities to speak in ways that don't embarrass them and allow them to be private and think, right? They don't have to talk out loud if they don't want to. They can provide chat and feedback through other formats. I will open up meetings and say, if you have an opinion, please think about it. You don't have to tell us now. Write it down, right? And then, you know, let me address it. You know, send it to me through a Slack channel. Send it to me through a private, you know, IM or an email. You don't have to be public if you don't want to. You just have to be present. Yeah, presence is key for sure. And also creating that space for the communication to happen, whether it is one-on-one to you, um, but also as the leader of a team to be able to share different, uh, the acceptance of different ways of communicating is huge. There's so many times it feels like it's dictation in a lot of environments. And I've had to go in and help recover a lot of tech teams to build out that communication process for engineers to be heard. You know, they are very talented and have an expertise that need to be exposed and shared. And they're going in the direction that they feel is best. And then there is always a learning curve on, again, that that test and pivot, you know, test, fail, pivot. Like it's that same kind of cycling that occurs, but they're so attached that it's their art. You know, the way I look at it, it's like, this is their art and you have to appreciate it. And, and then really be delicate if you want to change that shade of blue, right? Or if you want to put an extra line over here, like you have to be delicate about it because that's their art, it's their creation. And I found that in a lot of environments, you know, certain, certain engineer or tech focused people feel a lot of animosity or feel a lot of I'm not being heard and, and I, I'm almost that they don't matter. And I love that you create an environment where it is open so that they at least their voice could be heard, whether or not you choose or the team chooses or collaborates on the what's next. Like that's that's the next level of communication. But just creating that opening is so key. So I love that you share that with listeners who are running tech teams or any team in general. This is a tactic as a leader to always create that open door. So I, I love that tip. And, and there's another thing which I think is important, especially in the tech world, that people have a tendency to want to get to consensus before they get to make a decision and move. It causes unfortunate delay, and it also causes a sense where people, you know, good, strong people and people who want to get something done become demoralized. Mm-hmm. And I think as a leader, the other thing I try to do, it's not always easy, but I try to do it, is say, uh, try and fail, try, fail, try, fail. If it's not correct, it you didn't make a mistake, right? right. So uh, people are always afraid of making mistakes, Yeah. right? And you have to learn the fact that, you know, it's better to fail and be wrong for the right reason than to be right for the wrong one. And that's one of my favorite quotes. I, I, I try to keep it with me every day, right? 
I think that, yeah, that's so true. Because again, it, it comes around to that perfection conundrum. But then also, you know, that fear of failing is something that we are all conformed to to fall into that trap because of how we were all raised in education systems, right? Like we had this fear of not getting the straight A's or, you know, not hitting that 100%. And it was ingrained in us year after year for 18 years. And then those who, those of us who go into college, it's like the same thing. It's like, you know, if you're not the top of the class, then you're a failure. Like there's, there's an interesting mindset shift that has to happen when you go into the, the workforce where it is about progress. And I love that you bring this up as well because it needs to be heard and understood that. And I, this is why I love tech so much. I'm working with tech companies is that there is a, that continuous, continuous development, right? Continuous release cycle. Like we had to adopt methods of test, fail, enhance, pivot, release again, you know, so that you could create this opening of failure as learning. And yeah. it just makes it better the next time you try. And then, yeah. and then figuring out the communications around that so everyone feels like they're an, an active participant. That's where the true leadership, I think, shows up. You know, it's, it's creating the, the modalities, the process, the, the fun around it, you know, and not feeling so harsh that when there is a break, when there is a fail, when there is a breach, you know, that one person is being called out for it. It's a whole team effort to recover as fast as possible and get it back out again to be stabilized. Well, and, that, and that's my other thing that I want other leaders to learn as well. Not all leaders come to this realization, which I think the value here is that other leaders need to hear as well that it's not that you're always going to get to the right solution. It's that you need to get your organization to not buckle if it makes a bad decision and not be able to course correct the way it should. That's where failure and that's why people leave jobs and that's why people are afraid of bosses, right? Bosses need to understand they're only there because their teams are successful, right? right? If my team doesn't succeed, I, I, don't, I don't succeed, right? right. So right. It doesn't matter how much time the X years, which I'm not saying again, I believe in my career, right? If my team, I'm, I have to build a successful team because the, the work has to be successful for the company and that makes me successful. That's um, Authoritarianism will maybe create results in the short term, but it will never create long-term success. Yeah. I think also, you know, it's the hierarchy of decision making, right? Like who who gets to make what decision is if once that's understood as its own system, and then the how you actually as a team deliver against that is is key to any sort of high performing team delivery and also high performing company. Like it directly responds outward to the client, will feel it. If the team in house is not aligned, um, and that leaders have more of a point the finger and make people feel small when things you know get messed up, versus the collaboration of everybody is a reflection. I used to always say I'm a reflection of the weakest link of my team. Yeah. So I need to make sure my whole team is strong because they are a reflection of me. 
just mm-hmm. as I am a reflection of them. It's a it's an exchange. It's a two way street, and I think more leaders who step into that compassionate understanding and realize like they're human too. They have a different skill set than I do, a different decision process potentially than I do, but we're in this together. And and I think it's really important to to dialogue on that as well. Yeah. Yeah. Well that's exactly true. And that's when you build great organizations, great teams. And let me tell you, it's not easy because it takes uh listening. I mean I think a lot of people don't know how to listen because they're trying to justify what they think is right in their head already. Mm-hmm. And um, it's a very difficult skill. And it's one that doesn't come naturally for anyone. I mean, yeah. I don't know anyone who naturally knows how to listen. You have to build that as a leader. Yeah. It's and, yeah. And, and also that sense that, you know, at the building great organizations takes sometimes years and takes a willingness to provide feedback, which should always be viewed as a gift. You know, I can tell you the worst times probably in my career have been when I had a boss who wasn't willing to give me feedback. (laughs) Yeah. Right. Uh, You get that. You're, You're doing great. Just keep doing what you're doing. It's right. Like, well, have do you, you know? Attention? <laughs> are, we, right? are we are we engaged in this problem together, or are we not? How much do you care about how we solve this together, or not? Employ the people who work for you know whether you care because they can tell by your actions. Totally, completely, right. and how you actually represent the values you say you have. In, in those actions, right? And, and making sure that it can be trusted is, is a huge part of showing up as an authentic conscious leader, you know, in, in guiding um, process, guiding decisions, guiding growth. You know, most people want to grow into something next. And I'm curious, how do you create those paths for your team to ensure that you're tapped into your team's growth, their desires for what's next in their career. You know, have you have you do you have any tactics there that you could share with um, other other leaders listening? Uh, so one, and I think this is difficult for most leaders, don't be territorial. What I find with a lot of technical teams is uh, they want to go very deep in their subject. And when I talk to them about where future career paths lie, I say you have probably two opportunities that I've seen that I can suggest to you. One which is go vertically, and another which is go horizontally. And by horizontally, learn not just your area of expertise, but the dependencies on other technical teams that are near you, and be willing to take the risk to learn something you don't know. Some people love that as a career because they are their their curiosity gets them there. Uh, some people want to be deemed as experts, right? And if you're a person who really wants to be an expert, then what what I want or what I think I try to help you do is how do you show that expertise to a higher and higher level of other people who are knowledgeable in your field, and how do you gain respect? Yeah, become an influencer. Yeah, become an influencer. 
And what I've done inside of my organization, since our organization is a 24-7 incident response and breach detection, it can burn a person out pretty badly, right? I mean, you're always on, you're on whenever you need to get called. And for those people, it's important to be able to give them rest periods and give them a career where they know that they can do this for a while and then they can go out and go to a place where they don't have that pressure. Yeah. And then they can come back even better rounded. So you know, what I constantly do is, is allow my people to leave my leadership right? if, yeah. they, if they want, right? Yeah. As a leader, that's sometimes tough because other leaders look at me and say, but the, you know, your organization is going to get smaller. I'm like, well, you know, leadership is about knowing sometimes letting people go is the best way to make them successful. Yeah. Right? Some of the tactics it's, that I've used too is like in my one-on-ones with my direct reports, I would, I would truly dive into like, what are they passionate about? Because sometimes like you and I both initially in our twenties tripped into the careers we had, right? Like we tripped into technology. We saw that there was a fit for us. There was something exciting about it. We grew that way, but passion of what fills us up matters. And that was that's one of the questions I ask in my one-on-ones because I'd like to know, you know, where do you really want to go? Like, this is your job. Okay, great. But where do you really want to go? Because if I understand that path, I can either direct them to get the skills and maximize the time they have with me, knowing that eventually they'll transition out because I'll be growing myself. I'll be going on to the what's next. If you know, most people want to work for other people that are also growing and so that they can learn and continue to grow too. And I would hire to replace myself always. I always would come up with an exit strategy to say, okay, I'm going to this next level. So I'm hiring for my replacement so that I can go to that next level and then still stay in touch with each direct report to, to understand what they were about so that I could apply opportunities for them within the company for them to step into. And I think that was a unique stance at the time. I mean, you know, I started doing this in my 20s. That's how I approached my leadership style. And it gave me so much freedom as a leader because I knew what was going on. I also knew when it was time for someone to exit, when burnout or lack of interest would show up, it was so much easier for me to be like, well, we've talked about this you're really not interested in doing this work. I'd rather you transition out so that we can find the right person for this. And I'll help you go find the what's next. I'm happy to be a referral. I'm happy to help you go find that next gig because it's better for me to have a team that wants to be present and do the work together versus that one person who's one foot out and not engaged. So you know, it's, it's a very interesting dynamic that you have to handle as a leader. And I think those are also my proudest moments. It's, it's the moments that people who, you know, I've coached in the past have come back to me and said, you know, if it weren't for what we talked about, I would not even have a house and my family. I mean, these things wouldn't exist for me. Um, and I don't know that I understood it when we were talking about it, but, but, you know, a door opened and, and that's, you know, that's the proudest moment you can have as a leader. That's just it, right? Yes, that's what it's all for. I love those moments. They they literally are so heart-centered and true. It's like, why else are we doing it? You know, like, why else are we showing up in the world if we can't have that connection? Yeah, the money's fine and you can go find and make the money 
wherever you wherever you want truly if you are a capable person you can go find that money but to enjoy it every single day and have a level of impact and 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 get stories like that steve that's so beautiful i love when when either clients and or you know my former employees come to me and say kind of the because of you i story or if if you didn't i wouldn't <laughs> story right like i wouldn't have if you didn't and it's just that's so beautiful i love that you have those moments as well so tell tell me a little bit about what you're focused on now and and what you're trying to to cultivate in in your organization or the what's next so so I think the what's next that's really critical for me, I seem to naturally from all of these skills have figured out a way of getting to the role I am right now. And, and I'm really looking in my current organization. There's critical challenges on the information security side of technology businesses today. Uh, you know, this has become clear as geopolitics change and the world is changing and people are understanding what they have to lose and what they need to protect. And what I'm doing is I'm trying to build a culture of people that want to be the defenders of important things for other people, right? No one wants to be in the news because they didn't treat a customer data correctly, right? Well, you know, if you have a bunch of folks in your back office that just say, it's a job, right? Everyone else is being hacked, right? They're not doing what what you and I as consumers of technology want people to care about, about us. I want my, I worked hard to be whole and have my identity, well, I want that identity to be protected. Um, I want it to be respected. And I want a group of people and organizations and show that organizations can care about the data of the people who are their customers, their buyers, and their sellers. And that's the big job I think I have right now. I love it. I think that it is it is really key also for you to help influence other people in learning those best practices so that that consciousness is in that protective layer. So I think it's really amazing um, what you're doing and how you're showing up in the world and and you know I really appreciate your time today and joining me on this episode. I love that someone with your history of and your journey is truly leading in a conscious way because it matters you know especially yeah. when it comes to our data especially when it comes to the volume of transactions that happen daily we need that consciousness you know in in the like behind the scenes you know and i really appreciate your time and i would love for you if you if anyone has questions or other tech leaders want to dialogue with you steve is uh, the best way for us to connect them to you on linkedin yes please reach out to me via my linkedin profile i'm happy to have this conversation about how you can transform and mature your organization as well through kind of this positive feedback and through care as a leader, I would love to engage in the conversation. Well, we'll definitely put that information in the show notes. And then the one way I love to end the show is to ask you one question, so you can answer it however you'd like. What do you believe the characteristics of a badass is? I think those characteristics are caring, 
sharing and making a difference every day when you show up. It's beautiful. Thank you again for joining me today, Steve. Thank you, Green. Thank you for joining me today. Before you move on to the next episode, please post a review or share this episode with someone you think would appreciate it. Your feedback and support mean everything to me. For more information, check out yourbadassjourney.com or kareenwalsh.com. I truly believe everyone is capable of living a badass life. Thank you for listening.